last week we began our series called Palate, which, despite the name, is not about food tasting or about, uh, about how to build an entire house out of pallets. Um, but that, that should probably be like our next series, I think. Uh, anybody down for that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Too. All right, I think, I think Bowie Stewart back there in the back is teaching that. Um, so we're talking about the pallet of the ancient disciplines of spirituality. Meditation, study, and silence. We call this series pallet because each of these disciplines is like adding another color to the palette of our lives, uh, enabling us to paint in more vivid and deep color, uh, creating a life of beauty and depth in a world that is so often just black and white. And these, these practices are an invitation to move beyond surface living, uh, into the depths of ourselves, uh, helping us slow down to listen to a deeper voice amidst the cacophony of life. In a world that's so often superficial, these disciplines invite us to live deeply, to love deeply, to dwell deeply and creatively from a place where we can go deep with ourselves, with our God, and with our neighbor. And so last week we talked about, about meditation, and this week we're learning about a practice that's, I think, central to all of this. We're talking about prayer. Now, meditation introduces us to the inner life. A study that we'll talk about next week kind of helps us transform our minds, but it's a discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and the highest work of the human spirit. Prayer ushers us into communion with God. Real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. It's life-creating and life-changing because prayer connects our life with its source. It brings our heart back to its true home. The presence of God informs you and knows you who loves you completely. So in some ways, uh, prayer is you know, probably what you've heard before. It's, it's talking and listening to God. But it's so much more than that to you. It's coming home to a place where we're known and we are loved. So Augustine, who's a 4th century African thinker, said true whole prayer is nothing but love. Prayer opens our lives and our hearts and our hopes to an intersection with the divine love invites us into that love ourselves. Okay, so time out. That's all beautiful and theoretical and like heady and spiritual, but if you're like me, prayer hasn't always seemed like the most natural thing to do. I mean, we, we pray. We all pray, right? We pray right before exams. Uh, we pray right before we look at our grades from those exams. We pray right before we tell our parents what our grades are on those exams. We pray, right? But for most of us, prayer hasn't always been a practice of our lives. Perhaps you tried, uh, but you weren't sure if it was really working or if you were doing it right. And maybe in your walk you have doubts and questions like we all do. You feel imperfections and you wonder, like, am I even allowed to pray when I'm not sure exactly what I believe? The answer is yes. We have, there's this yearning in us, this deep invitation along our journey from the depth of our spirit and the truth of who we are to connect deeply with God. So a longing for prayer, even if we're not quite sure exactly what that means. So for me, uh, I never saw prayer as something that was like really accessible to me growing up. Um, growing up, here's what I saw about prayer. I'd go to church, and there would be this moment of prayer in the service when a man in a suit and tie, it was always a man, would go up to the mic and he'd say something like, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And then he would begin with something that sounded like, you know, oh Lord, Father God. 
thou will thine alone to be thus, thus made, therefore, forevermore, O Lord God, forever and ever. Amen. And then everybody would like raise their hand, heads and open their eyes, um, except on those Sundays when I was a little bit tired and I would stay down a little bit longer than everybody else because I was kind of dozing. It was really because I was just a little bit more spiritual than everybody else. Such time with God in prayer. But from that experience, it seemed like in order to pray, I needed to know prayer vocabulary. I needed to wear a suit. I needed to pronounce the law, like that. So it's no wonder myself in this place that I think a lot of us find ourselves when we come into the topic of prayer, of longing to pray in the depth of me, but feeling like somehow I didn't know how, like I didn't quite have all the tools, and I, I believe that prayer was something that I should do, it was even something that I wanted to do, but it seemed like there was a chasm that stood between me and actually praying. So instead what I felt, instead of a sense of communion, was a sense of prayerlessness, like there was a communion that my heart was seeking, but it was just missing. Maybe I just needed to learn a little bit more about how to pray. So if you ever felt that way, I want you to you're not alone. <laughs> you're not alone in this room. You're not alone even in the story of our faith. And this is what I meant. This is amazing. It was this journey, this learning process. And so one day, Jesus' disciples are with him, and Jesus is praying. And after he finishes, his disciples come up to him, and they ask him, Will you, will you teach us how to do what you just did? <laughs> will you teach us how to pray? Lord, teach us to pray, they asked him, which is the most amazing and honest and awesome question for them to ask, because these guys grew up Jewish. They've been praying their whole life. They knew the right words, they knew the right rituals, they knew the right forms to pray, but when they watched Jesus pray, there was something different about what he did. There was something so different that they were compelled to go up to him and ask, hey, will you teach us to pray like you? They knew that they had more to learn, and this Jesus guy seemed to pray in a way that was so natural, so deep, that it looked like authentic communion with God, in a way that drew them in. They said, teach us to pray, and, and luckily, from the recordings of the Christian community, we get to eavesdrop on a little bit of what Jesus laid out for So one of the places where Jesus teaches on prayer is recorded in Matthew chapter 6. And this is cool. Uh, for us, the way it starts, because Jesus' first instruction on prayer should make us feel really confident, because I think his first instruction is something that we can actually do. But here's what he says. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. Everybody thinks that they cannot do that? Okay, awesome. I'm not going to go pray on the street corner with a loud voice. Everybody can see me. Congratulations. There is a commandment of Jesus, an instruction of Jesus you can actually follow. <laughs> we have already mastered prayer lesson one from Jesus, so we're cool. But Jesus continues, and he goes on. He goes through the prayer. He says, so when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Now, when Jesus is talking about going in our room and shutting the door, he's not being literal in this. If it's a nice day, you can pray with your door open. It's okay. But he's pointing us to something deep. He's in, inviting us to be intentional in our prayer. And this is where, in so many ways, prayer begins with just this intentional choice to go a little deeper, to center ourselves, and to seek out connection with the divine. And that can happen anywhere. It can happen in our room. It can happen in the line at the grocery store. It can happen in our car, as long as you don't close your eyes and bow your head. <laughs> 
But wherever we are and whatever we're doing, it always involves this intentional choice to pull away from the stream of consciousness and to step into a deeper stream, to seek out communion with the ever-present divine in whom we live and move and have our being. And sometimes it can happen in, in a word. Just God. Sometimes it takes more work than that. It's more time to detach from the demands and the deals of the day-to-day so that we can center our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God. But that intentional choice always takes us from the surface to the deeper places that begin to feel a little bit more like home. It takes us into connection to God of the universe. And so Jesus continues and says, Whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Pray to God, Jesus says. Set your mind's attention and your heart's affection on God. Be intentional about pointing yourself, centering yourself in that direction. And as he continues teaching in this verse, he says something that is so amazing that I think sometimes we might even just pass over. He says, pray to your Father who's unseen, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus says that when we go to that private place, the God of the universe sees us, <laughs> sees you, like sees you. You are seen by God, and that is amazing. Because for me, many times when I go to God with my long list of things that I'm bringing to God's feet, if I knew, if I understood, if, if I could know that God sees me, sees all that I'm carrying, all I'm hoping for, all I'm hurting with, all that's swirling in me, to know in that very moment that the God of the universe sees all of me. I think most of the time, that would be enough. That's what I'm seeking in prayer. God of the universe sees us. It's an unbelievable. So, to do that, to, to pray and to let ourselves be seen, I think in so many ways we come into that place and be intentional we just let ourselves be seen. Being seen invites us to let God know what's really going on in us. And so we let ourselves be seen. We let our desires, our requests, our hurts, our hopes, we be honest with God and we just let it all be seen. And Jesus says that when we go in prayer in connection with God, that God sees it. And that's amazing. He continues and he goes a little bit deeper. He says, so when you're praying, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, those Gentiles. <laughs> For they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. They think that they can get to God by passion and pronunciation and by listing all these things and doing all these things. And Jesus says, don't, you don't have to do that. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. <laughs> well, so not only are we seen in those places, stuff that's going on in us, God sees, but we're known. We're known in this deep way that transcends words that we, we don't even have to speak sometimes. But Jacqueline read this out of, out of Romans 8 that speaks to that deep connection. It says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with us with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the heart, knows. God knows us. And so Jesus is saying that when we pray, when we're intentional, we enter a place of prayer. We enter a place where we're seen. We enter a place where we're known fully in the depth of our spirit and the truth of who we are. And so when we come, 
We bring God, not just the stuff that's going on, but the stuff that's deep in us, the stuff that we deeply long for, that we let no one else see. God knows and loves all of you. And so we can come as we are and let ourselves be known and seek to know God from those deep places as well. In this life, we're so longing for that real communion, that real connection, that real relationship where we can be ourselves. This is like a breath of life. Uh, Henry Nouwen, this uh, awesome Christian thinker, says that one of the great tragedies of our life is that we keep forgetting who we are. We keep forgetting who we are. Child of God, beloved, dearly loved. It's in prayer, I think, that God helps us find that again. We're seen and we're known by the God in whom we live and move and have our being, who knows who we are and can help remind us. Prayer is, as Richard Foster says, the heart's and the invitation to encounter, to come, to be intentional, to be seen, to be known, God is inviting us to come home, to come home to where we belong, to come home to that for which we were created. And God's arms, we find, are stretched out wide enough to receive us. God's heart is wide enough to take us in. So for too long, we've been off in a far place, a place of noise and hurry and crowds of climb and push and shove, a place of frustration and fear and intimidation. And God welcomes us in prayer home to serenity and peace and joy, from the friendship and fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. So this invitation to pray is the invitation to come home to a place where we're loved. So when Augustine says that true prayer is holy love, I think he's talking about this experience, that experience of stepping into our room and shutting the door, finding ourselves holy seen and holy known, holy home and holy love, and loving back God with all that we are. And I think in that encounter, that coming home, is that reward that Jesus talks about prayer bringing to us. The reward of that encounter is a deep peace. Like that deep peace that comes when we're with the best friend, or the partner, or the pet, <laughs> who knows us inside and out and loves us unconditionally. My cat is that for me. <laughs> that place where we can just find peace and just be ourselves. And that peace, I think, is prayer's reward times 100 billion. The peace of being loved entirely, of being home. What we find in that place of love is that it's there that prayer can begin to do its work in us. And we shape us in that form of love. We realize in that relationship that it's not about bending God toward us, but it's about letting ourselves be bent toward the vision the love of God toward our hearts through So, this all sounds so big and so like heady, but it really isn't. As uh, the father John Chapman says, just pray as you can, not as you can't. God meets us where we are. The very first time that we walk into the room, of prayer. So I love in those Matthew passages that God sees and knows us before we even open our mouths. In some ways, that kind of takes the pressure off of us when we go in there. But God's already got it covered. We can just be. But if God already knows what we're going to ask, kind of been dancing around with, why do we need to ask it? <laughs> Does me praying to God like, somehow change God's plan? Um, I hate to say this, but like trying to answer that question is a little bit above my pay grade. Um, so I'm going to just tell you a couple things that I, I think about this. I don't know if I really want a God that I can convince with my reasoning to agree with 
Like when I sit down to pray, God's like, oh, you've got a point, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you so much for letting me know that Porsche will be arriving at your house tomorrow. Um, <laughs> as much as I think that I want that, I, I don't. Because I can't even get myself and my kids dressed on the same day of the week, much less govern the ever-expanding cosmos. I need to stand before God who's bigger than all that. But as much as I don't want that, I also want a God who listens to the deepest parts, who sees me and knows me, is responsive and interactive and relational, who's moved by the things that move me deeply. Because these requests I bring aren't just stuff, they're things that I'm, in my heart, I want to ask and the mystery of this whole thing is that God invites us to be a part of the story. To be what Paul calls gleefully in 1 Corinthians, co-laborers with God. That we're in some way working with God to build this future, to paint on this canvas. And the prayers in our faith story in Scripture, those people prayed as if their prayers could and would make an objective difference. And so it's stoicism that demands a closed universe and not our faith. Instead, God says that when we enter that room in prayer, which we're seeing and we're known, in some way that's deeper than understanding, we're invited to be a part of something, to help create something, to love the future into existence, to pray and commune and to make our requests known and our deepest desires heard. And even if we don't have the words to express that, we're invited to come and be we're invited to pray. And how exactly does that work? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But what I do know, what I do know, is like so many have said, like the Archbishop William Temple said, the coincidences seem to occur much more frequently when I pray. So I do know one thing that changes in prayer. It's me. It's me. In prayer, that's what I find. As I'm seen and known and loved, that I'm changed to. C.S. Lewis said, I don't pray to change God. I pray that God might change me. To pray is to change. As we intentionally enter that room of seeing and knowing and loving, we change. We begin to be shaped by the God that we meet. The things we chase after change, the ambitions of our life change, our long lists of requests find peace. We begin to really want God's loving will to be done in us and in our world. As we're seen, we begin to see things the way that God does. As we're known, we begin to know more about ourselves as God knows us. As we're loved, we begin to love as we have been loved. We start to change the parts of loving our neighbor that need to be refined. God begins to change in us. Our compassion stirs as we reflect on the things that stir God's heart. What we want from life begins to line up with God justice and mercy and love and purpose. To pray to change. Prayer, I think, is the central avenue that God uses to transform us. Poet William Blake tells us the task of life is to learn to bear God's beams of love. How often, he says, we fashion cloaks of evasion, beam-proof shelters in order to elude the God who loves us. But when we pray, God peels those back slowly and graciously reveals to us the evasive actions and sets us free from them that we might change. So if true prayer is all love, then in that connection, the things that aren't that begin to fade away. The parts that don't match up 
that aren't all love begin to fall away. And as we pray, as we're seen and we know, and we're loved, we begin to change. There's so much to say about prayer, way more than we can cover in one conversation, way more than we can cover in one lifetime, truthfully, to learn about what Jesus taught. But when I think about what Jesus taught, when you think about how he taught us to be intentional, to be seen, to be known, to be loved, and to be changed, I think it's those last two parts, being loved and being changed, that I struggle with in the midst of that sometimes. How do I experience that for real in prayer? And so I think that's why, to give us a tangible idea of this, that when talking about prayer, Jesus consistently refers to God in this way that we translate in English, Father. Jesus doesn't say this because God's a dude. God is neither and both. There are passages in Scripture that talk about God's feminine energy as well. But the word that Jesus uses in Aramaic is the word Abba, which is a term of intimacy. It's not Father as much as it is Dad. Like Papa, Mama. Abba and Ima, Daddy and Mommy, are the first words that Jewish kids learn to speak in their life. Abba is so personal, so familiar a term, that no one had ever used it in an address to God in the history of Jewish prayer before Jesus came along. So by saying, our Daddy, our Abba, Jesus makes this revolutionary claim about who God is and how we interact with God in prayer. He invited us to regard the divine, the creator of the cosmos, like a loving parent, and ourselves like a child, beloved, of sacred worth, entirely loved. And I think that's so helpful when we think about being invited into this prayer. As we go today, as we drive in our cars, we go to the grocery store, and we think about stepping out of the stream of consciousness into a deeper stream, it's not to encounter this heady, far-off cosmic deity, but it's to encounter our Abba, our Ima. Children don't find it difficult or complicated to talk to their parents. My kids aren't embarrassed to bring me their simplest need that they have to me over and over. <laughs> and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes they just need to get things off their chest. Sometimes they just need to let their requests be seen. Sometimes they just need to curl up in my lap and be known. To go to those places where prayer is less about talking and requesting, more about listening and resting. But through it all, God, like an Abba, like an Ima, wants us to experience a sense of love, a sense of home, a sense of trust and peace. Because that kind of love changes us. So my friend Mike and I were talking about this, and he told me about this experience that I think kind of opened my eyes what that might be like. He said he walked into his newborn baby's room. He was looking down on the crib. And looking down at this child, he was just overwhelmed by love. He said, I, I just wanted with all that was in me to let this kid know that I love him. Totally and completely. That I unconditionally want what's best for them. I want to put it in his heart. I want him to know that he's loved and that he never has to prove it or earn it or try to turn any other place to replace it, that he is loved. I just want to put that truth so deeply into his heart that he knows it and walks with it. And that it helps him be who he was created to be. He was telling me that I just thought about God. 
the brothers and sisters, children of God, the God who knit you and formed you, who invited you to call God Abba, Ima, Daddy, wants the same thing for you. Wants you to know the depth of your spirit and the truth of who you are, that you are loved. You're seen, you're known, you're loved. Let that truth change you. God wants to write it on your heart. And in so many ways, prayer is slowing down, opening up, listening, so that that new word can be written on us. May we learn how to be intentional, be seen, be known, open ourselves up that we might be loved and be changed. May we learn to do that. May we learn to pray. So like uh, many of these disciplines, they're much better learned by doing than by some dude with a microphone telling us all about. Um, but it's something that we can learn how to do. After all, that question, teach us to pray, and Jesus' answer implies that this is a process of learning that we can learn. That we don't have to wait until everything's worked out to open our hearts to God. So if we're going to learn, then we need to experiment, we need to practice, we need to try. These are, after all, like spiritual practices, not spiritual Perfections, and so we can experiment. Uh, in fact, the great like mothers and fathers of the faith uh, told us to do that. P.T. Forsyth, this great Christian thinker, said, "Prayer is to religion like original research is to science. This is getting out there with the test tube and doing the work in the school of the spirit." So today, I want us to do some original research and see what this is like. So today, we are taking communion. We're gathering in this literal representation of communion with God and what we find. What we find in communion with God is mercy, is grace for our hearts that covers us in love. And we find sustenance that sustains us and strengthens us on our journey. It's the same thing that we find when we so in preparation for communion today, in preparation for taking the bread and the cup, I want to invite us just to spend some time walking through those things that Jesus says prayer looks like, praying together. Um, I'm going to be that dude in the suit and ask you to close your eyes, <laughs> maybe bow your head. If you want to not bow your head and not close your eyes, you're welcome to. <laughs> Let's be intentional. Pull away from the stream of consciousness. Let's step into the deeper stream of connection with God. Being intentional might mean contemplating God's greatness, imagining the breadth of the universe. It might mean picturing God sitting in front of you in a simple chair. Connection. A communion with God. Jesus says God sees you. So just let God see the things that you're carrying with you. Let yourself be seen all that you are.
Jesus says that God knows what we need to pray before we even do. And so invite God in the deep places that you and God will know how. Places too deep for words